Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shir. Shana Tova, Gmar Simateva, Schoolish Anim Rabot. As we have a Sarasimachuva shir. Days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We dedicate, of course, the Shir, the Fu Shlema, to Lisa Shlamis Bracha Bas Rachel Hinda, and she shall have the Shlema Kreva. They send a speedy recovery to her. She should live and be well, raise her children. We also have tonight a dedication <coughs> a dedication to a Petita actually which I'm dedicating tonight's year an unfortunate loss which is like a family loss to us to Leia Basra Belyohu Lina Bliner Wife of a, also of course a very dear friend of Misha Michal Bliner. It's a pain to us personally and to the family. I'd like to dedicate the shir tonight in her memory. Ilya, her son, Sarah, her daughter-in-law, of course the grandchildren and great-grandchildren should all find condolence. She's definitely going to be a Melitza Yeshe. She's definitely going to go up high and knock on the right doors to see to it that her children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren are looked after are taken care of and she's definitely one to stand up and fight and tell the Almighty that we need Mashiach a legacy is what people leave over when a person passes on the Navi tells us the live take to heart and say what did we learn from this person unfortunately at three different Shiva cases this week a dear friend Glenn Hershkowitz lost his father 
And another dear friend, A.B. Cohen, who lost his mother, Levana, a very, very, very special woman. And of course, as we said, Lina, Lina, who passed away yesterday, a sudden heart attack. None of them were young, they all Baruch Hashem lived a ripe old age. Lina had been to us many, many, many times, especially since her husband passed away. And a quote that I'd like to quote in her name, which teaches us a tremendous, tremendous lesson in our lives. She would say, May God give you, she had a nice heavy Russian accent, May God give you what I wish for you. And this is the epitome of Avas Yisrael. The epitome of how one has to love a fellow Jew. To sincerely feel and want that God should give you what I want for you. And so, to our dear Lina, we miss you. And we're sure that you're being welcomed now by Misha, your husband. She passed away on a very auspicious day, the day of Vav Tishrei, the yard site of the Rebbe's mother. I'd like to welcome tonight our Shir, another member, Yochevet. Wow, what an honor tonight. And Lina, who only meant good for anyone, whose home was always open for everyone. And Misha, the whole being a Exemplary chassid, following up the footsteps of his grandfather Mechol da Alta, whom he was named after. Mechol da Alta was a mashpia in Temchet Mim. When the Rebbe Rashab established the yeshiva, Mechol da Alta was a mentor for the boys. He was like a father, a brother, a sister, an older brother, a mother to the children. They say that Mechol the altar once was walking around the boys went to sleep at night and he noticed the boys shoes were all torn and he took away the boys shoes and replaced them with his own he left his shoes there instead He also was a tremendously devoted chassid, a devout chassid, in that <coughs> the Russians wanted to capture the Rebbe Rashab. They wanted to find him, wanted to catch him on something they can imprison him for. And since he established the yeshiva, and the yeshiva was flourishing, 
and learning Torah, although against the constitution it wasn't, of Russia, but it still had, they had to catch it for something. They had to tie the Rebbe Rashab to the yeshiva. He couldn't just walk in, they didn't have papers, the IRS papers were not filled out. Sorry. And um, they came up with a decree that the head of every school has to have his picture hanging on the wall. So they figured if the Rebbe Rashab is the head of the yeshiva, they'll hang up the Rebbe Rashab's picture, they'll come in and say, Oh, he's the conspirator. The Mechol Alter got wind of this decree and realized exactly what was going on. And he put a picture of himself up on the wall. And thereby averting any problems for the Rebbe because he was on the wall and they want to come, come after me. I'm the headmaster. It's all about me. So the Remechol, his grandson, his wife, has gone today to meet her husband. And her schus will definitely protect us. Her prayers will protect us, look after us. And may she rattle the right windows. As she passed away on the day of Avtishai, the yardside of the Rebbe's Chana, the Rebbe's mother. The Gemara tells us, Rebbe used to give major honor to rich people. When asked why is he honoring the rich people, are you being bribed? Are you being. And he said, no. He said, the rich person is rich because God gave it to him. If God felt that this person was worthy of richness, then there must be something worthy of this person. And therefore, I too am honoring the person. The Rebbe's mother, aside from being the one that brought the Rebbe into the world, aside from being the one that raised the Rebbe, was the most honored person in the Rebbe's eyes. The Rebbe once told somebody, and I've said this by Shir before, since the Rebbe's Bar Mitzvah, she never saw his back. In other words, he never turned around his back to her. Whenever he walked away from her, he backed away. He would walk backwards. He would never turn around when he walked away. And in the later years, when the Rebbe was Zeichet to bring his mother here to America, the Rebbe would go every single day to visit her. When his little brother, Yisrael Ayalei, passed away, during Shiva, the Rebbe also went to visit every day. The Rebbe would change his jacket before he came up, so the mother would not notice that the jacket was torn. But he would come to visit, even though on the Shiva, a person should not leave the house. 
but in order not to disrupt, not to upset his mother, and that she shouldn't see it. Yeah. On this day, above Tishrei, the day that she passed away, Lina Belina Leah Baselio also returned her holy neshama. And therefore, I guess we could say that she really merited to a lot, a lot of things. And my hat is more than off to her. We have Baruch Hashem several things that she gave us as gifts and that the children enjoy greatly, immensely and amongst those things there are things that just enhance our home jewelry that she gave out, my daughters whatever it might have been she gave such a full heart. They so enjoyed and cherished it. I mean, all my children cried when they heard the news, like when their grandmother passed away. My mother. So she should be a good better for us all. And we should all have only good news and nachas. And again to Ilya and the family. I send my condolences and I hope to God willing, pay a shiva call tomorrow, since the shiva is so short, because Yom Kippur ends the shiva. I would discuss the laws, but I'd rather not discuss such things on the shir. Let's go to the lighter side of the wonderful Shabbos that we are about to experience, because we always talk about the Shabbos, the parish of the Shabbos, this week is not going to be reading Vizayis HaBracha not even by Mincha this Shabbos is Yom Kippur wow Shabbos Shabbosayim the Shabbos of all Shabbosim Yom Kippurim yes it's upon us and yes we fast even though it's on Shabbos and it begins on Friday afternoon. It's a 26-hour fast. We fast 26 hours. Those that try to cut corners and they fast, they eat until the last minute. You're only ending up fasting that much later when everybody else is sitting and eating. You're going into your 26 hours. Um, we discussed before about the Rebbe how you Rebbe would honor rich people. Obviously, he did not take bribes, but we hear about bribes when it comes to Yom Kippur. When it comes to tshuva, we find that it falls into repentance. Well, we're not going to call tshuva repentance. Tshuva, as we're going to discuss later, falls into more of a category of the concept returning 
when it comes to the concept of tshuva, it says that the Almighty takes bribes. The Medrash tells us on Tehillim it says on the passing of Sheikhad, this is in chapter 17 in Tehillim V'Sheichad Yikach and he takes bribes from the lap of the evil how is it possible the Almighty is taking Sheikhad bribes in this world and what are they? The tshuva and the ma'asim tevim. Their tshuva and their good deeds. The message continues. Amar Hakadosh Baruch Hu Yisrael. The Almighty said to the Jews, "Bini my son, Ad shari tshuva b'suchim asu tshuva." As long as the gates of tshuva are open, do tshuva. Shanish neitel sheichad. I am taking bribes on this world, says the Almighty. When I'm going to be sitting on judgment in the world to come, I will not be taking Sheikhat. Says, Pasik says in Mishlei, chapter 6. Verse 35. <coughs> I will not lift my face up for this. Truth is, the Medish could have brought the Pasuk at the end of Akev, chapter 10, verse 17, which says, Asher, etc., Leikach, Yezrechad. But he brings from here. We end up with a question. The Tera tells us that Sheikhad, bribes, blinds the eyes of the Chachamim. It blinds them that they give a judgment that's not correct. How is it therefore possible to say that the Almighty God is taking, the Almighty God, who is the epitome of Emes, is taking a bribe to avert his psak, his halacha, his judgment? Aside from the fact that it's a very specific prohibition in the Teda, Vishaykhad Lay Sikach. In Parshish Mishpatim, Chumash Shemais, chapter 23, verse 8, you may not take Sheikhad, and in Sheftim, in the book of Judges, also, chapter 16, verse 19, and the Razal told us very clearly, in Shemais Rabbah, our sages teach us, what is different, the Almighty, than the human being? Mashu What he himself does, he does he tells the Jews to do. Magid He tells his words, his chukim, his mishpatim, 
referring to mishpatim chukim that he himself does. So if the Almighty is Mekayim, the mitzvah that he commands us, then the mitzvah of not taking Sheikhat, so much more so. And the, clearly the Pasik tells it. God is of our God is the God of all gods. Ashallah upon him that he never raises his face will and will not take bribes. As we said before, in reference to the Pasik in Akev. And the Mishnah says, Shain Lefanov, there's nothing before him. So Mishnah in Pedic in Pikyovis at the end of Pedic Dalid. I can't give you an exact Mishnah because there are different prints of Pirkeyovis. And sometimes the Mishnahs don't jive. Some have the Sidurim, have the Mishnahs set up in different sections. But at the end of pay, the fourth Perik, and the Mishnah says, She'en lefanav chuli, v'lei mikach sheichad. She'lei yikach sheichad ha-teves. M'shiyas adem elav teves v'lo'achas. Like when a person did a thousand favors to somebody and one thing wrong. Will the Almighty not forgive them for the balance over here? More mitzvahs than Averas? So then, what is Tshuva? Why is Tshuva different than all the other laws? That Sheikhar is allowed to be taken through Tshuva and Maisentavim in this world from the wicked. But honestly, in order to answer this, in order to answer this question, first we have to explain what is the concept of Sheikhat in Shuva? Sheikhat, it bribes in the world of Shuva. The Chayda, what is the Almighty forgiving here for the sins that a person does when he did Shuva? In other words, he's not judging the person for what they did. But rather the sheikhat of the tshuva causes the person to alter the din. And this is the concept of tshuva and charota. Tshuva is not alone enough. Is not a, enough. Uh, whoa. Tshuva alone is not enough. That sentence was really misconstrued. Yes. But the question becomes because when we say that tshuva is done, it becomes neker His sin is totally eradicated. It's totally wiped out. It's uprooted. And the Razal tell us that tshuva from Ava, if a person does tshuva out of love,
tshuva that's done out of love, zdeinis nasalik izachis. The culpability that the person was culpable until now, not only is he no longer culpable for the Aveda, but it becomes a schustim, becomes a merit, as if he did a mitzvah. And nekar aveinim itchilasid, yimara for those keeping score at home, mesechtas yuma, peivav amidbeis. 86 side 2. And Rashi explains it there as well. What does Nekaravayna Mitchilose mean? That the sin becomes totally eradicated? That the Tshuva can cause that to begin with, retroactively, the sin becomes totally uprooted and is considered as if they did something good. And considered as if it never happened. And they get a merit for this. Wow. We know generally in the world that the Siba comes before, must come before the Mesebid. The happening must come before the reaction. There's no action without a reaction. And there's definitely no reaction if there was no action to begin with. So how is it possible, therefore, that Tshuva can uproot an Aveda that was done way before to begin with? When the Tshuva comes a year, two, five years later, let us therefore understand what Tshuva, instead of just saying and translating it as a repentance rather we translate it as the word shuva tashuv to return shuva elai return to me says the almighty to the children because the fact is that once something is done we can't undo it You want to now turn something that was made, created, into a new entity? It doesn't work. It's a created entity. Worst so, is the tongue. Lashon Hara. If a person says something, you cannot take that back. And that's one of the most phenomenal expressions that people use. I I want to take that back. You can't take it back. Once it leaves your lips, it's out whether you meant you didn't mean however you said it or didn't say it the bottom line is once you said it you cannot take it back so if we're talking about tshuva as a repentance I'm repenting for the sin and thereby I'm saying that that sin now becomes a merit it doesn't have feasibility Let us therefore scrutinize the essence of a person, the essence of the Jew. The essence of every Jew, being their neshama, their holy soul, 
therefore is automatically good and holy. So when the person sins, yes, the soul is within him still. When the person sins, the soul does not fly out of the body. The soul is captured in this body until the duration of the person's life. So what happened? How did that good skite, how did that good person, that holy person, how did he perform a sin? Come on, let's learn. Why did his goodness not prevail to prevent him from sinning? Tells us the Tata that that all that good skite goes into hiding. And being that's in hiding, when the person actually does the sin, therefore that evil and that wickedness can prevail. So when the person does teshuva, not they repent, they return to their original status, the status being that of the good and holy, they automatically cause that limafreya, retroactively, their essence was as such. And therefore, by doing this tshuva, they are mevarer, they totally clean out, they cleanse, and they reveal the goodness and the holiness that was before the person sinned, that was in within every, that's within each and every Jew. Therefore we don't translate tshuva as repentance, but rather tshuva as returning. Because the person is returning to his original essence. There are the myriads of stories when it comes to the concept of tshuva. Amongst the people that needed to do tshuva, but yet, in essence, were pure and holy, was a group known as the Cantonisten, the Cantonists. The Cantonists were little children that were abducted in during in Russia and they would be indoctrinated they would be tortured and they would be brought up to try to be children of the Tsar to fight in the Russian army and to forget their total totally forget their Jewish past Many of them, after serving their purpose, being maimed, being destroyed physically and mentally, 
and broken spiritually were then discharged from the holy Tsar's army. These children then became known as the Cantonists. In the time of the Tzermach the third Lubavitch Rebbe, Tzermach Tzedek had sent one of his chassidim, Reb Mordechai, on a journey. Now, journey in those days, you were walking. And walking could be for days, for weeks, and for months. For a Mordechai did not know what his ultimate journey was. It was Yom Neroyim. It was the week between Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. And Ramad Chinui has to stop moving his feet a little faster to get to a town where there be Jews so he could have Yom Kippur. Much to his chagrin, he arrived in a town where all the Jews had left. They went away for Yom Kippur. They traveled four or five hours away from there and he would not be able to catch up with them. At the max he could do now is two more hours. And he said, there are no other Jews here left. There's nobody left in the Daven, no. There won't be any minion there, no. What do I do? And they said, you know what? About two hours away from here, there's a little hamlet of Cantonists. As we said, the Cantonists were beaten this night out of by the Russians. They were tortured. They were just made into ashes. They were walking dead. They couldn't marry. They couldn't live. They couldn't function. They couldn't hold a job. They couldn't do anything. And here was a little village of them about two hours away. And so Ramadka took his feet and headed towards this group, towards this hamlet. As he arrives in the hamlet, he's given a royal welcome. The people were just overwhelmed. We have a guest. And not just a guest, a guest that looks like a rabbi. And they said, won't you stay with us, Fiyam Kippur? Won't you lead our services, please? To which Reb Madche agreed. Reb Madche readily agreed come and to leave their services there was one little stipulation that he was to lead every service except for Ni'ila Ni'ila the final closing service of Yom Kippur would be led by one of the Cantonists what should the Marcus say immediately agreed and it was not much time left to prepare. 
this time practically start called Nidre, which Ramadka in a beautiful, melodious voice, one that even he didn't know he had, began to recite. And he said the Kol Nidre, and he said the Maidiv, and he followed up with all the rest of the Tfilis. And as the closing moments of, moments of Yom Kippur were upon them, one of the Kantanisten went up to the Amud to lead the Ni'ila service. Very strange though. Before he began to pray, he did a very, very strange thing, which the Rebbe was, to say the least, little off color. He removed his shirt. He removed his shirt, exposing all the scars and all the wounds that were afflicted upon him as a child, that were afflicted upon him as a teenager, being a Cantonist. Well, the Cantonist began and he said to the Almighty, We don't daven for money we don't have any we don't have for children we don't have any we don't have for our family we don't have any we daven that you send Mashiach look what we've been through appreciate as we stand here before you he put back on his shirt and began the service of Nihila this for a Marachai was a lesson a lesson of sincerity of a Jew a lesson of sincerity of a simple Jew a lesson of prayer how one prays how one connects how one speaks directly to God as we stand up and we dance a very ironic part of the prayers on Yom Kippur the Kohen Gadol has his full day 
he has a full day of work. He's running and jumping, he's going in and out of the mikvahs, changing his clothes back and forth to the four garments, to the eight garments, and he's back and forth all day long. It's quite a tedious task. And he's got to be very swift. It's got to be quick. The Kayin Gadol, the only time of the year and the only person that can do it is the Kayin Gadol enters into the Holy of Holies in the Temple. As soon as the Kayin Gadol finishes praying in the Holy of Holies, and he comes out of the Holy of Holies, the first the first prayer, he says, is a short prayer. A short prayer asking asking for Parnasa. Parnasa Barakhova by the Jews. The Jews should have sustenance. How strange is that? In the holiest moment of the holiest year, the holiest day, the holiest place, and what can he think of? Money? Mundane concept of money? But rather, the truth is, the truth to be told by a Jew, every Jew. Every physical concept is connected with the temple. Every other nation, they work, person goes out, does his job, looks for a raise, looks for a promotion. By a Jew, their panosa is depending, dependent, dependent upon the way he keeps Torah and does mitzvahs. And the Torah tells us clearly in If you'll go in my ways and you'll keep my mitzvahs, then when I will give the rain. A Jew knows that his panasa comes directly from God. It's not natural. It's all miraculous. And therefore the person cannot think I will come to the Kedish every so often I'll do something I'll learn something
and that by learning Teda, I'm taking away from my Parnosa. If I have a shear, instead of going to do an extra job, I'm taking away from my Parnosa. But Adirabe, Boyala Kedish, the arriving in the Kedish, this is what brings Berichas Hashem He Te'ashir. The blessing of the Almighty is what makes us rich. And therefore, it is our job, it is our obligation to learn, to practice, and thereby connecting to Hashem, and thereby receiving our sustenance from Hashem. Connecting this, of course, we see clearly in Pashat Vizayt Sabracha, which as we said before, we are not reading the Shabbos. Smach zvulim b'tseisecho v'yisachar b'yolecho The little boy, the Menchamesh Mikra says, What? What does Seisecha mean? What does Ayalecha mean? Going out? Should be happy going out? What is he doing in a tent? And therefore, the master, savior of the Menchamesh Mikra, Rashi, tells him, Yes, Svulun is going to go out and do business. This is his job. Go work. Make a lot, a lot of money. Why? Because Yisachar be'ayalecho. Your brother Yisachar is sitting in Ayel Teda. He is sitting and learning Teda. And your job, Yisachar, Zvulun is to support Yisachar as well. Not just yourself, but Yisachar as well. Tells us the Teda another thing Rashi says to the Mechamesh the Mikra. That the Teda first says, Smach Zvulun Secho. It should be the opposite. You want to tell me that there's two Jews, one is going to work in a business and one is sitting and learning Torah all day and you want to tell me that the Torah should mention the working man before he mentions the learning man? this is an audacity all B'nai Torah are going to be up in arms they're going to stage a protest next to Pita Beta it's, it's, it's cruel, it's inhumane we are the Hasidim, we are the ones that are sitting and learning data. Says the Teda, Rashi explains, Hagufa, that's Vulun. Because he's going out to work to support Bnei Teda is more important and therefore mentioned prior than Yisachar Be'lecha.
it's more important to the Ebishter to see Zvulun making money, making lots of money, being very rich and comfortable, in order to support a Teira Mesut, a Teira organization, sitting people that are sitting and learning Teira. So Rabbi Sai, I think we're going to start instituting a repeal on this year. It's getting nasty already. Uh, <laughs> support your local Teira institutions. Local, of course, as we say, local is before anyone else. The poor of your city go first before the poor of other cities. But still, in all, if you have that much, if you have anything extra to send to other cities, it's nice also and appreciated. There was an artist, I forget his name. He was a Balchuva, Chabad. And he had painted a picture of the Rebbe. It must be very impressive. He decided one Sunday morning to be so kind and present it to the Rebbe as a gift. So he came to 770. He got online for dollars. If he could get to the Rebbe, he'll present the Rebbe with his, with his beautiful painting. He had actually taken a picture of the Rebbe and he painted off the picture the Rebbe himself didn't obviously model for the picture for the painting well he gets in front of the Rebbe and he unveils the picture and says Rebbe what do you think He did something to the picture in his painting that was different than the picture. The painting had the Rebbe standing. By his tender. But had the Rebbe's hands intertwined. The fingers were intertwined apparently. And the Rebbe turned to them and said to him, There's a problem with the picture. So, what's the problem? He says, The fingers are crossed. Now that I cross the fingers like that. The artist was devastated, obviously. But he didn't, want, he didn't leave good enough alone and said to the Rebbe, but what did the Rebbe think about the picture itself? I'll fix the fingers. He realized that the picture that the Rebbe, that he copied from, the Rebbe's fingers were not like that. So he said, I'll fix the fingers. What does the Rebbe think of the picture itself? 
The Rebbe smiled and said, it looks better than I do. And I guess he decided that he's not going to compete with the Rebbe's picture. Where did he come from? How did he become a Balchua? The story itself is an amazing, amazing story. He really... He, excuse me, he had a two-year-old daughter who unfortunately was not talking. And this was obviously a problem, but it built up a frustration for the child because the child, because she couldn't communicate, was getting very frustrated and high-strung and built up an insecurity with the child. And the child was having fits and tantrums not you, not you <laughs> see we brought side of sound effects <laughs> the child was having such tantrums that the child caused itself a hernia And the hernia needed to be operated on. It was a pretty nasty situation. But they were worried to take the child into the hospital because what will be? Child can't communicate. Child become frustrated. The surgery, the, the repercussion behind it was just scary. One downright scary story. Then they remembered that one Sukkot, one bright Sukkot day, this Chabad rabbi met them and asked them if they want to put on, they want to bench Hesik. And they agreed. And they made a bracha on the Lulav and Hesik. And he left them his number. Very nice fella. And he seemed actually downright holy. Now they didn't understand anything in religion, didn't appreciate anything really in holiness. But this is as closest to what they're going to get that maybe, maybe we'll be able to help out their daughter. So they looked up his number again and they called this guy. They called him up and he told him the story. And when he heard the story, he said, Listen, Kindlach, I know you think I'm holy, but the holy of holies is the Rebbe. We need to write to the Rebbe. We need to contact the Rebbe and let the Rebbe know what's going on. And we'll get a blessing from him. What did they understand already? Brachas, things, Rebbe. But where are they holding? They have no other place to go. The child has to have this, this surgery. So they finally got through to the Rebbe. 
Excuse me, they didn't get through to them. They kept calling, couldn't get through. They went to sleep. The next day, this Shaliyah calls them and says, I got through at 2 o'clock in the morning. I told the secretary the story. He brought it to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe said, there will be good news. They said, what kind of blessing is that? What kind of... Anyway, they went through the surgery. Child came out, was still sleeping. They were waiting for it to hit the fan, as we say, because it's going to be catastrophic when she wakes up. And she might even have such a fit and, and, and re-rupture everything. So nervous and scared. Before they went into the surgery, they took a siddur, a prayer book, and they put it under the child's pillow. The child started to open her eyes, started to wake up. She looked at her mother and her father, and she turned and started to look under the pillow, and she found the siddur. She kissed the siddur, she opened the siddur, and started to say very clearly, and began to read from the Siddha and daven from the Siddha and began to sing songs from the Siddha that she was hearing in Shul and about a week or two later she was fully verbal and talking totally and was totally, totally healed all the Rebbe had to say we should hear good news and so therefore, as we approach Erevim Kippur, we approach the last hours before Yom Kippur, we ask the Rebbe to give us that bracha, that there should be good news. And we share the ultimate good news, the news of the revelation of Mashiach Tzadkenu, as Mashiach will reveal himself to us and take us out of this golos, out of this horrific exile, and at this Yom Kippur, we should merit to see the Kohen Gadol running around, doing the Avedah and Beis Hamikdash on Harabayis, Gemarch Simateva Shanateva Masuka, and we want to wish again a Fuah Shalema for Eliezer Shlamas Bracha Basrachal Inda. And of course, we'd like to mention again, so long as the Yarn Tahar, the Petira of Leah Basadiyahu, and of course Lavana. And may they all be praying for us this Yom Kippur, together with us, in Yerushalayim, Irakredish, Shanatova, Mesukatu all. And we will still be able to say Shabbat Shalom.